0: And this is where ChiliPad by SleepMe comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The ChiliPad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. ChiliPad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me/ftl to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offers exclusively available for the Love Listeners only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleepthat'ssleep.me/ftl because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead.
1: You guys, hi. Welcome back to the Jen Hatmaker Book Club Podcast. Okay, so if you are listening to this over on the regular for the Love Podcast feed, welcome. This is something that we do in Book Club every single month in which I get to interview our author of that month's book. And we have just sort of exclusive access to him or her, mostly her. We We almost exclusively feature women writers. But a fun thing about this month is that the featured book in Book Club is my cookbook, Feed These People. <laughs> so if you're good at logistics, you realize that I am both the host of the podcast, the curator of the book club, and the author of the month. <laughs> it's very meta. So today's going to be a little bit different than our regular episodes. So we decided to do this. I have a really fun very special guest here with me today. She is an absolutely loyal and dedicated member of the Jen Handmaker Book Club, and her name is Denise Grzynski. Okay, let me tell you about Denise. Out in the real world, she is a certified family nurse practitioner, and she has done some cool stuff in her career. She's worked in emergency medicine. She's worked for Carnival Cruise Lines, Indian Health Services, family practice, internal medicine. And if that's not enough, she has a concurrent career as a legal nurse consultant. I mean, she's very, very fancy in her career. Um, But And you know, I love to talk to highfalutin people sometimes on the podcast, but nothing beats talking to our real life friends who are doing real life cool stuff in our real life community she is a force so when Denise is not kicking ass in the medical field she is volunteering for local animal shelters that's like a big through line for her she's a mom to four and they're all kind of packed in like all basically one year after another She's also written a children's picture book called Not Like the Others, Harley's Story. She's the cutest. And she holds a really special place on my heart because, first of all, she's been a book club member since our very first book. The OG book club members are, I mean, that's a special group. And she also helped launch the in-person meetup group in central california and you guys know that those of you who are in that region she started the hill country meetup when she moved to texas and she's been in several of our monthly book club zoom chats if you've never actually been to any of the in-person meetups y'all go it is just life-changing like you will love them as much as everybody else that you're going to leave with friendships you do not even know that you need it. So Denise has been in our book club for so long, the whole time, and she's involved and just, she's just loyal and committed to me too, just inside Legacy Collective and tour and launch teams. And I just, that means so much to me. It's just really precious. That doesn't, I'll never take that for granted. And just that level of care and love that she has shown to me over the years is just so dear. So I couldn't think of a better person to interview me on my own show as the author of the month. And so this conversation is so cute. And I just enjoy her so much and just so happy that she is a part of my community. So you guys, here comes Denise interviewing Jen, and I hope you love this conversation.
2: Well, hello, y'all. It is crazy, crazy. I am so honored, and it actually feels kind of surreal to welcome (laughs) Jen Hatmaker to Jen Hatmaker's own podcast. (laughs) And thank you for having me
1: on my own show. I am so delighted to be here.
2: (laughs) Well, you have been a really crazy busy woman. I mean, it goes beyond just the last month. So how are you doing right now, Jen?
1: You know what? Really good. I feel like literally, I I mean this sincerely, just yesterday, I kind of crested the mountain of all the stuff. As you know, book launch is busy, busy, busy. And then we had a tour which just finished last week. And then I had other work trips this week. So I I got like right back on a plane and I finished my last thing yesterday. So I'm like, I made it. I think I did it. And so I was just telling Denise, everybody, that I was going to spend the weekend with Tyler in Nashville and we were in Birmingham. He was with me yesterday in Birmingham for work things. And we were on our way back to Nashville. And he said, I have an idea. It's a little bit crazy. You can say no. But what if we just went to New York for the weekend? I'm like, this weekend? Like the one that we're in? And he's like, let's go. So anyway, Tyler and I are in New York. That's what this is about.
2: We're in New York and we're going to have a fantastic Any plans weekend. to see a show? Because I know you both love it. The-
1: totally. You, as you know, that was the anchor for the reason that we came. We are going to see, oh my gosh, it's a new show that just opened yesterday. Why can't I remember the name of it? I'll remember
2: it later and I'll nope, pop it in. Before the, the end yes. of the You can just uh-huh. interrupt us at uh-huh. any point in time. Uh-huh. It, to it, say, come oh, there's to the name. You know when the brain gives it to you? Yeah. Like as soon as you later. stop thinking about it, it'll come. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then tomorrow night, we are going to go. We're going to see Mike Birbiglia. He's a comedian and just hilarious. And Tyler loves him. And he's got a show that is running right now in New York and it ends in January. And he's been telling me, I really want to see that show before it goes. So we're going to see that tomorrow night. Here we Have
2: are. Have fun. Have fun, right? That is amazing. Well, and I love New York and Broadway shows. Even when I've been there by myself, I just buy myself a ticket. So that resonated with me when you said that that's what you were doing the night you met Tyler. Yeah,
1: I love that you do that. Anytime I meet women kind of out in the wild or just wherever, and they are saying, oh, um, yeah, I took this for myself. Or uh, I met a bunch of women on tour last week who were like, I came by myself. And I was like, I love that. I, I think that that sense of independence and like, you're good company. Like, why wouldn't you want to go to a show with you? I just, I, I love that. I think that is wonderful. I hope my, my daughters are like that. Like, they're like, well, if I don't have anybody to go with me, I'll go with myself. Cause I want to, I'm like, yes, that's reason enough.
2: Well, shoot. Remy took off for Spain. You are not. I wrong. mean, you've got a good start.
1: <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs>
2: So, you are fostering that independence in your daughters. I hope which I so. I it's awesome. Yeah, I hope so. Well, before we dig into the book, because we got to dig into feed these people, what was the first thing you ever remember cooking? I've been really interested to. The first thing I ever remember. Well, and how old were you? That's another interesting piece. Uh-huh.
1: I kind of remember vaguely cooking like a grilled cheese, like thinking, how hard can this be? It's bread. It's cheese. You put it in the pan. And if I remember right, I didn't use any butter. And it was, you know, not good. So it was just like- Pretty toasted. Toasted bread in a pan. But I have another funny memory of being in high school. Now this is in the like late 80s, early 90s. And so food was, you know, a tragedy. And I remember my mom buying- (laughs) Like frozen Tyson chicken patties. And me and my best friend, Nikki, would take those out and we would sauté them in a pan and they would be still a little cold in the middle and we'd eat them on buns. And we just thought, look, we've made chicken sandwiches. We are... They were breaded and like already cooked. Yeah, Good thing you know, they were pre-cooked trash. since they're you trash. had them
2: frozen in the middle, right? Like, it's
1: it's almost warm in the middle. Just disaster. No
2: salmonella there because it was pre <laughs> it
1: was And I don't pre- even know common. if it was real chicken. It was like the disgusting kind like all ground up and like just nasty, like absolutely nasty. And we thought it was delicious. We put it on a bun and a slice of American cheese and tons of mayonnaise. And that was our um, special treat. So you can see obviously why I grew up and wrote a cookbook.
2: I think it's spectacular. And actually, it's kind of funny that you say that because I went back and I had listened to in 2008, you did kind of a question on the For the Love podcast where you let listeners write in questions. And I went back and listened to that. And at that time, you said you weren't sure we were going to get a cookbook, despite our petitions (laughs) and the fact that we've all been cooking recipes, your beef bognon from For the Love is like a huge family hit. Is it? And I go to your ciabatta stuff. Yeah. The just the making easy ciabatta. And that was, I think, Mess and Moxie. So I actually have your books in my cookbook section of my library.
1: <laughs> that is really adorable. And I love that. And, you know, back then when I was just like throwing recipes on the internet, I just was like, I mean, it never really occurred to me. I promise you that it did not. It was not occurring to me at the time that that could be a thing that I did. I, I, it was not, but I did notice, like, I was just kind of paying attention to my own experience. And I was like, I do notice that I like this. Like, First of all, you know that I like cooking. I mean, that's that's obvious. I hope. I mean, it's not that I didn't like. I knew that part. I knew that I loved making delicious food and creating something great in the kitchen. But I noticed I really like writing about it, and to like layer over two things that I love because really I'm a writer first. Like I do a lot of things, and that's just because I don't know why people ask me to. Like when when I started. When I started, I was just a writer, and that's my favorite thing to do. Writing is my favorite. I would say that's my that's the top rung of my ladder. But then everybody was like, "Can you come speak at our event?" And I was like, "Do you think I can?" <laughs> like, I, did somebody <laughs> tell you I could? Like, does that if you're a writer, does that mean you're a speaker? And I mean, people kind of think he, it is. And so I,
2: which know, is I, interesting because the writer tends to be not. Not generalization, but too much. But you tend to be more introverted, so it's totally. interesting that that's a kind of a thread through line. With you write, and now you speak. Wait, totally I get to do writing is. in private.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think it was because my writing was sort of like it had so much like humor in it, and so people mistook that for charisma, <laughs> and they were like, "I, I think if you could be funny on the page, you can probably be entertaining on stage," and so. Like you know, you know, I speak a lot, but I'm not good at it. And I really have to work really, really, really hard at it. I, I'm always nervous. I'm always anxious. I'm over-prepare. So writing is really my first love. And so when I got to apply the writing portion of my work to cooking, I'm like, why did this? These are two of my favorite things. Like, no-brainer, absolute
2: no-brainer. That's awesome. And by the way, I beg to differ. I just got to see you in Austin on the latest tour and I've seen you on several tours before that. So your preparation works because no matter how nervous you are, you do a great job. Thank you. That is a really nice thing
1: to say. I've owned it a little bit, but after this many years, I've figured out kind of how to do it, but I'm just telling you, it does not come natural. That is not like my natural habitat like Tyler he literally, like, was a born baby meant to. He should have just been born on a stage. His child, he should have been delivered as a child on the stage. You know, he's just so natural at it, and that's his like comfort zone. And he gets kind of into the groove. And I have felt like that never. So I appreciate you saying
2: that. Well, and you have the ability to make every single one of us feel like we're the only person in the room that you're speaking to. Like that's how come we all feel like we're your best friends because you have that ability through everything you do to kind of do that thread line too. And let us all feel like, you know, we know, Jen, cause you're so authentic with us and you make everybody in the room feel like we're such a nice here. thing to say. I will say on the other side of that,
1: like once I finally get on the stage and I am, you know, I'm kind of in the pocket. I feel that way too. I feel like I really do feel like I know everybody here. Like this is my community. I know them. We are in lockstep a million points along the way. We are in groups and we're on line together. Like I feel like when I look out in a theater full of women, I'm like, it's all my friends like that. And that's a comfort to me. That always feels really comforting, which is why my preference, if I'm speaking, is to be in front of my people. So like it's my event, it's my thing. And I'm always way more anxious when I'm in front of somebody else's crowd, because I feel like here's my friends. We're just all friends in a room together. And it's like, it feels more like a reunion and less like a performance.
2: Well, you do a great job at it. So I want to kind of circle back a little bit because you talked about how you write and the recipes and how you've kind of interwoven that. And that was another thing I had heard you say. So I'm going to kind of quote you that you want it. If you ever did a cookbook, you wanted it to be part comedy, part memoir and a cookbook. And I'm telling you, you nailed it. People laugh. You think, can I read a cookbook cover to cover? Uh, yes, but this is probably the first one ever. So, and I did, I read it cover to cover when I got it. The stories are amazing. So I'm really curious how that interwove did the recipe come before the story or the you had the story and then the recipe how how did you end up choosing
1: oh that's so funny honestly i sort of used all these years of just writing helter skelter on social media as a template it, it isn't one by the way that is not industry standard but that's the way that i had kind of figured out food writing you know, which was just sort of outside of the kind of typical structure, and so I, I thought, well, I like this. My community seems to like this, and so you know, it's all kind of in there. Like it's as you mentioned, there's a story, so there's I'm, there's something I'm attaching it to, probably, or like I'm reading out all the details of the cooking process, something that I. Oh, My husband
2: laughs. He cooks with me and I hear him reading. I mean, I do the same thing. We're all laughing as we're (laughs) cooking because intermittently there's comedy even in the recipe itself after the story.
1: Yeah, I know. I just, I enjoyed that online so much. And so I'm like, well, let's just see if I can do it like this. And most of it is funny. You know, occasionally I sneak in a little bit of tenderness you know, in there with a memory or your some, grandma's
2: carrots, man,
1: my grandma's carrots. You know, I also wrote about when my girlfriends took me to Mexico right after, I mean, well, I was just a few months out of like the whole life explosion. And they just said, we are taking you to Mexico. We're booking it. We're paying for it. You're coming we'll pack for you. Like, and it was during COVID I and mean, it was just a terrible time, but they were just like, we, you got to get out of, we got to get you out of here. Like, you're going to still have fun in this life and we're going to force it. I, you know, I wrote about that story because when we went to Mexico, that's where I had the habanero cream soup. And so we came home and I workshop that recipe, but I wrapped it in that story. And so, you know, I just thought I believed my community when they said, we actually like reading this. We're not even necessarily food people. A lot of people said that, like, I'm not a cook and I don't really know how to cook, but I enjoy reading this kind of food writing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to believe you because I'm not writing for the cookbook industry. I mean, oh, hell, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't, that wasn't my ambition. You know, and I wasn't trying to fit a standard or I wasn't really trying to impress anybody that works in this space. I was trying to give my community something that they loved. And so here we are. It's, and we it's begged just, you
2: for it.
1: You did. You really did. I mean, you really did. Me and my agents, we had just laughed for years because every year, year after year, they were like, I mean, Jen, we can talk about all these other projects, but like, your community will not let up they are so intense about writing them a cookbook I'm like I know they mean it I think they mean it so it was just a delight to do that knowing that I was writing something that people had asked for and and that I loved it so much but to me it was just the perfect storm of of a project that I loved and that I was hoping that my community would love and it's just been so
2: much fun does cooking inspire creativity in you like like I know it was interesting because I hadn't gotten back in the kitchen. I love to cook. My husband loves to cook. I like to do it on my own blasting nineties country, which I know you can relate to you that. You know, I do. And, you know, cooking with my husband, my kids are now begging. I have a five, six, seven, and two eight year olds until two weeks from now. And then it'll be five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Well, five, six. Anyway, Wait, I have four kids. I, I, I don't do not any. think
1: I knew that. Like We've been on this together like lots of times, but I don't think I knew that you had that many kids packed together all the same age.
2: Yes. And they're oh, all, please. so we're a forever family through adoption. I think yeah. that might be something you remember yeah, from think one of I our calls. That.
1: I didn't place their ages. At oh yeah. Together. When they
2: moved in in 2018, they were one, two, three, and four. So oh, I never imagined I'm gosh. 49. So we're right about the same age. And I never imagined having all the littles. And it's just one of those things where I have to like take a deep breath and say, okay, yes, you can come in the kitchen and help. Let me see what we can do because you tend to cause a little more chaos than oh, assistance. My <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. This is so true. I will say this is something I didn't quite get right because well, I didn't learn. I wasn't cooking when my kids were as little as yours. I was still like giving them freezer food for dinner. And so I didn't start cooking until they were a little bit older. And because I was also learning at the same time, and also a big part of my cooking ethos was I'm going to figure out how to enjoy this. And so I didn't enjoy (laughs) that. They're not enjoyable in the kitchen, turns out. I'm I'm sorry,
2: kids. You may hear this at some point in time, but it is not it's work. It makes it take more time and it's more work.
1: <laughs> it's I know. Work. I wish I would have done it a little more than I did. know I started cooking with the kids when they were more like in high school and middle school. When they could take instruction when and they not can actually a knife the
2: flour. And right. not worry that That's it's right. going to actually stab yeah, exactly. somebody or cut a finger off. That's exactly
1: right. When they stir a bowl and half the contents don't just end up on the countertop. But okay, so you cook a lot and you like so to cook. we do.
2: And your cookbook has inspired me to get back in the kitchen so that's been a big thing. Does it? Did it inspire your like? Does it inspire your other creative juices? At the same yeah, time, yeah, that's cook? really
1: interesting. I, I think that that's one of those things where like the rising tide like lifts every boat in the harbor, and it's in my genre, but it's adjacent to it. Because yes, it's writing, but cooking is just innately creative. I mean, it just is. You're you're literally creating.
2: Well, and you give us freedom to do it in the book too, like in your cookbook. It's like, oh yeah, if you don't want this, then do that. So you made it for real people to just do their thing. Exactly.
1: I think it does. it.
2: There's a creative impulse
1: that it sort of stirs that I love because you start just going, oh, okay, what else? What else could I kind of dream up? What else could I learn? Maybe like one thing that I'm loving, the reactions to the cookbook are really, really fun for me. That is brand new because I've never I had a cookbook and it's just crazy. I mean I just go online and everybody's cooking the food. It's just bananas. like they're making the recipe that I made. It's just shocking to me. But I love hearing people say this wasn't something I knew how to do or that I've ever felt competent at. And here I'm in the kitchen and I feel like creative and I feel that things are possible. like I can learn and my family's thrilled and I'm just like there's a the I think when it comes to cooking, the sum is greater than its parts. Like, I mean, yes, it's just an onion and it's garlic and you put in it's a thumb sandwich, but something about it, like the process of it, the possibility of it, the nourishment of it, the and then the appreciation of it. It's like, what else? maybe I'll learn to paint. Hell, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll write a book. So I hope that it inspires a little bit of creativity in everybody, not just me for writing it, but maybe the cooks for cooking it.
2: Oh, for sure. You know, you say it's funny that you say that about. So I'm a savory girl, same as you. I'm savory, and the one and only thing that is huge on my list is that if ever cream brulee is on the menu, I'm going to get it. So I was thrilled that that is the one recipe that we were given, but I never thought I could ever do it. Like I did honestly you, did thought you try it. I have. So I have actually now. I have now cooked approximately. I was going to count them this morning. Somebody really spoke to my enneagram heart. I don't know who did it. They made a recipe list. Was it your team that did it for checking them off?
3: I don't know where I found it. Now
2: I don't know where I found it. Somebody made a list, and you can check them off as you do them. That is hilarious. As I work my way through the book. So whoever's listening to this, if you created it, send it to Jen so she can see it because it has spoke to my enneagram heart that I have this. Like I'm going to do every single recipe in the book. But, so I've done about 18 or 19 of the recipes at this oh point, but I was on gosh. your launch team with you too. Yeah. So yeah. that was,
1: <laughs> that is amazing. I love that you
2: tried the Creme Brulee. It's actually not as hard
1: as you thought, right? It like, wasn't
2: hard. And it was a hit with every single person.
1: It can't not be like, nobody doesn't like Creme Brulee. It's not even hard. It's just that you have to do it far enough in advance, you know, So, but
0: that's not hard either.
1: Like, well, And so many people have said
0: it, you, you did
2: it and you don't, do you have the torch? i'm like no jen told me i don't need the torch i don't have a torch i didn't need the torch (laughs) no i put mine under the broiler and then i just watch it like
1: i just stare at it because i'm like at this point at this point if i over broil that sugar i just won't be able to live with myself oh it's so yummy i love that you tried it that's so fun
2: and i was so pleasantly surprised i was like yay i can do it jen showed me i can do this by putting this in her cookbook and again we had like we I had only made I had ramekins for enough for my family, and so I had made enough for my family. And then it turned out that it was football Sunday that I did it, and so I had the queso dip, which my oh, girlfriend oh, that brought her family yeah. over here cannot stop talking about the queso know, dip. So good, she said I can't even stop thinking about it. <laughs> I just I, she goes, why can't I not stop thinking about the queso? <laughs> That's so cute. And then I made cream brulee, and they have four kids too. So oh, yeah. I I may have accidentally made it sound like I have five kids, but I only oh. have four. Uh-huh. Only. Uh, but right, right. Uh, they have four as well. So when they came over, we had to split up the cream brulee. And I have a video of everybody screaming for more. Like, no way. They sat at the table screaming more.
1: I cannot quit. That is so funny and cute. <laughs> all I could just picture is a bunch of little like preschoolers and they are. It's a bunch of everywhere. little yeah, uh, elementary yeah. school
2: kids <laughs> and they all are well outside of their one daughter is a little older, but yeah. And she was laughing at all the littles and that's the other thing. So I have a really funny story about the spice in your recipes too.
1: Oh, so, let's hear it.
2: Cause I have out of my four I have two that are not spicy. My two middle kids are not spicy kids. And so I'm constantly having to kind of shift and adjust as we go through these recipes. But one of those two, which is my six-year-old son, came home because at school he had gone and they had gone to a local garden and picked jalapeno poppers or jalapeno poppers. I say that every time I do this. Jalapenos. He can't pick a jalapeno popper. That's something you get out of the frozen food section. That's true. But it'd be impressive if he figured out how. Yes. But anyway, so he brings it home saying he wants to cook out of it and he points at your cookbook that he wants us to make a recipe out of your cookbook because I'd been cooking out of it. And I didn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't dissuade his little heart that he was not going to probably appreciate what we were about ready to cook with a jalapeno pepper. Did you but do it? We did. And I did, I chose the taco cups and I can't remember if, I don't remember if jalapenos were actually in the taco cups. I don't remember if it was actually part of the recipe. I think I had it like
1: as a possibility, like when you make your toppings bar, I'm sure I had jalapenos on there because I would 100% jalapenos on mine.
2: Right. Well, so we're like, so we're going to add it because I figured the taco cups, and they were, they were really fun. He could take the little, you know, he could Uh create the cup and do, and he was able to do all of that. Okay. My husband and I would eat like the, the filling just out of the pan. That's how much we liked it. (laughs) But let me ask you, did you, do you think that picking the jalapeno, cooking with it, do you think it changed his taste bud at all?
1: We can only pray to the Lord that it did. Someday.
2: Like, I I will
1: tell you though, I, it's very possible to very slowly, like degree by degree change our kid's palate. And I can just only tell you that because I wasn't a cook at all. And my kids, I, I mean, I know I've said it, but they just ate like brown food Like they ate french fries. and chicken nuggets and fish sticks and ketchup. Like we did not have any diversity hardly. And we certainly not like spice or deep flavors of like any, any sort of ethnic food. I mean, and Italian doesn't count because kids eating butter noodles is not exotic. And so I'm just telling you that that is literally the way I was raising my kids until I started learning how to cook. And I've always liked spicy food. I just didn't know how to cook it all. And so I just started introducing it in a little at a time. Like, it wasn't like, we're going to go from buttered noodles, you know, to shakshuka. Like, let's just, we're going to come along the way. And it is very possible. Like, my kids were already in preschool and elementary school when I started this. And so now, all these years later, they will eat Anything. They will eat literally anything. Their palates are so varied and they're such adventurous eaters and they like spicy food and they like flavorful food and they like Thai food and they love sushi. And I'm just like, we can change the way our family eats. It's not overnight. It doesn't happen in one meal, but introducing it bit by bit by bit, I'm telling you, give it a couple of years and you will look at your kids and what they're eating on a plate and be like, What has happened here?
2: So would I cut the spice in half? Is that how you would, or even by a
1: third or? Absolutely. Just cut it down a little or do it once or twice a week, like intermittent, like between other more bland or neutral flavors. And just, you sort of, we're, we're tricking them. You know we're tricking them. We're gonna hook them, and we're just gonna very slowly reel them in by hook or by crook. And so I just always want to remind people that it's possible to change. Like because a, a lot of moms, particularly, tell me my kids just won't eat this. They will not. They don't. They they don't even. They think ketchup is spicy, or they you know they don't. They would never try coleslaw, or just you know fill in the blank. And I'm just like, don't put it, everything past them first of all, and just start somewhere. Like just start somewhere and they may surprise you over the course of time once you have really introduced them to new foods. It's it's fun to watch.
2: Well, I will look forward to keeping you posted on how that goes. They do like sushi and they like Indian food. So I have high hopes that we're going to be able to push this through. Fantastic.
0: Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms, and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to Astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go you guys today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Ask to pro and go. Speaking of kind of
2: the spices and stuff like that. So, you know, we've, we've heard you talk about watching the food network and that that was some of your main instruction as you were shaping your kind of cooking skills, your family and just being in Texas. So how did those influences come into, to play with everything with putting feed these people together?
1: Really in every way. I mean, That was my culinary input. So remember, I was essentially a blank slate. (laughs) I was a blank canvas. Anybody could have taught me anything, and that would have been my culinary point of view. I didn't have my own. I didn't didn't come in with some real baked-in point of view at all. And so because I just had so much to learn, and I was willing to learn anything and try anything those are all my my food influences like i feel like the food network i mean i joke about that all the time but those that's really where i learned how to cook like i just watched those shows and i i watched how they chopped things and i learned technique and i figured out they would teach me about flavors that went together and how to fix something that tasted flat you know just all these things that cooks know but i did not And so I really feel like a love surge for those early like food network people who had their little cooking shows and they just talked to me week in and week out and just taught me how to do it, how to do the thing. And then just being in Texas, I've been in Texas since 1998. This is just what we eat. Like you don't learn to cook and not learn how to make megas. You just don't. Or you have to move out of the state. It's like a rule. <laughs> and so that's just what I was also surrounded by. It's what I'm eating at restaurants. It's what my friends were making for me. It's what we'd come to Christmas parties and somebody would bring a huge pan of tamales they made all day the day before with all their aunts and the grandmas. Like I just, When I'm learning food, this is the food that I was eating. And so I'm like, well, this is the food I also need to learn. And so I think teachers are everywhere. And I also read cookbooks, like, which is, so it's fun, kind of a full circle moment for me for sure to have one, because I would buy cookbooks and I would read them kind of like you mentioned earlier, just kind of cover to cover and get a sense for, instruction. And, and this is how you braise. And like, you know, this is how to get a crispy skin on something. And so I'm just thankful for all that. So it's really fun for me to think like in in small, tiny way, I am now teaching somebody something about cooking. I don't know what it is, whatever the thing is that they're learning. They're like, well, shoot, do-
2: you taught us in the very beginning of the cookbook about leeks. And my husband was in the freezer the other day. And he's like, what is this? And it's the ginger. It's the frozen ginger.
1: I have it in my freezer at all times. There's always a little baggie of frozen ginger knobs. Yeah. Like, and even just teaching you like, guess what? You can make this. Like you can actually make salmon. You can actually make prosciutto. Like here's how it just, so that feels like really, I don't know, really special to me that I get to essentially be in people's kitchens with them
2: well and it's really fun to be doing it and to kind of feel like you're there as well which I because I'm in book club I we got to cook with you this last Tuesday and that was yep, really and we're funny. doing it
1: again on Monday uh-huh.
2: yeah so I'm gonna be at so, my mother-in-law's house oh, attempting yeah, yeah attempting so they're vegetarian so I grew up oh. kind of on a combination thing and I'm an animal kind of an animal well not just kind of I'm an animal activist right pretty much about you. Uh-huh. and so I should uh, <laughs> by all intents purposes, a vegetarian, uh-huh. right. but I'm not but a full
1: vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. but you're like you eat a lot of vegetarian.
2: I that? eat a lot of vegetarian, yeah. but I've got some meat substitutes already that I'm that I'm using. So I will be trying to make our Monday recipe with a meat substitute. So I have to figure out my way through it and I'm going to be in Oregon. So I'm not going to have ATB, which I love ATB. Uh,
1: right. Who doesn't? Sorry.
2: Texans. That is one of the best part of Texas.
1: It genuinely is. It like, is
2: amazing. And I live in Kerrville where it, where it all
1: started. Oh, fancy. Oh gee. Yeah. People are like, why do you guys talk
2: so much about your grocery store? I'm like, I can't explain it. You have to come. And I'm like, it's actually a place you have to, my girlfriend came from Chicago and I, I'm like, you have to go to HEB with me on a day. Like, this sounds ridiculous it that you're going to go to the grocery store with yeah. me, but I'm going to take you to the grocery store with me. It does not sound ridiculous to me. I'm like, and here's our bakery.
1: And oh my gosh, look at our deli. <laughs> I know, we're, we're ridiculous. But which
2: recipe are you going to try? Do you, have you figured it out? I'm going to cook with you on Monday. So it's oh, what oh, we're oh, cooking oh, on Monday. Yeah, oh,
1: I'll be interested to see
2: how. So this I'll have to out. figure out how to meat substitute. So that actually is another question I have because now you have a daughter that's vegetarian and a boyfriend who's vegetarian. Do they have a favorite meat substitute swap out for your recipes? Have you? It's so interesting because I'm learning, especially
1: now with Tyler. Sydney rotated in fish and seafood years ago, so. She's had, like, I've had that option for her all the time. And then she added chicken if it's sourced right. Like, she's very particular about that. So so I've been able to expand the way I cook for Sydney, But with Tyler, he is a all-the-way vegetarian. Like, there is no chicken. (laughs) There is no seafood. So I am just now buying some of those meat substitutes and, like, testing them out to see... What tastes good? What tastes the closest to the original? Because they don't—they're not all the
2: same. No, they're not
1: created equal. I would love to hear your opinion here. Like, I have like a crumble or a sausage that I could crumble, like a soy essentially. Well,
2: and I get a lot of times from the frozen food section when it calls for like ground beef, the ground beef crumbles, and then I actually have done the so to make chorizo because you were very specific about the taste of the chorizo meat, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: I was.
2: But I found oh shoot, it's on Amazon, but it's a chorizo flavor packet. Oh, and so I take the ground veggie crumbs mm-hmm. uh-huh. and put those in the frying pan, and kind of defrost that, and stir in the chorizo as part of my flavoring prior to putting in all the other stuff that I'm gonna Fantastic. mix with it. How'd it taste? Really, really good. That's part of what we did for the taco cups. Uh, I think I because I that. didn't use beef. What's the brand? Do you know? I would have to walk over to my freezer. Okay. That, that's I can... what I'm
1: trying to figure out right now. Like, which is the best brand here? Like, who does the best job, like, with texture? And Tyler cannot eat. Impossible. Like, he can't do the... He's allergic. It's so unfair. Like, he's already vegetarian. He's a vegetarian,
2: and he, and he... Oh, my God. And he doesn't... So I remember hearing he didn't like onions. That was something oh, that we found out on the...
1: So upsetting. <laughs> so upsetting. Like, it's almost, it almost makes me want to break up. So what's it. his favorite flavor? His favorite... Food and like the flavors that go with it are Mexican food. So it's it's easy to eat Mexican food and be vegetarian. You know it's just so easy. You beans and all the vegetables and the rice and the you know it's all in there. You can do beyond. You can do the beyond. Burger and the Beyond meat substitutes, and so anyway, I'm on the. Prowl. So those are the only meat substitutes he can
2: use, as the Beyond ones.
1: No, 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 he can't. He can use all the rest of them. Oh. He's just allergic to imp- them. Impossible. Impossible brand. Oh,
2: okay, all right. But I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna have to start testing this
1: out, because sometimes you just want the. You can't just omit it. You need to substitute it with
2: something. Yes, that's exactly right, and you have to be careful about what you're doing it with, and. It's not just going to be about tofu. In fact, I'll let you know when I try it, I'll tag you in my posts as I typically do, but we don't eat shrimp. And so we're actually looking at putting vegetarian food is also not always healthy for you. My cholesterol level tends to go up a bit when I'm doing a lot of the meat substitutes, but we have something called scallops, which I wish they wouldn't use real names for food for vegetarian food because it gives the people that are trying it an incorrect assumption that it's going to taste yeah. like what it's called. Totally. So like a veggie link, right? That's a a link is actually a vegetarian hot dog. Got it. I love them. I prefer it over them. I can eat them straight out of the can, which some people might think is totally gross. Not me. But I grew up eating it. But you make it look like a hot dog and then people expect it to taste like a hot dog and it's not going to taste like a hot dog. So there are some meat substitutes that will kind of take on the flavor and scallops are one of those things. It's just a soy product. And we're, so we're going to try it in replacement of the shrimp at some point in time for one of those recipes.
1: Report back
2: to us. Like, you know, I'm hoping
1: for a million reasons that I get to write another cookbook. Book. I just would love to repeat the project. It was just so much fun. But now I think the second go around, I would be a little bit more dialed into Alternatives both in the original recipe. I've got a, some some vegan and vegetarian recipes in there that I wrote as is. Like, I, it's not an alternative, but like, this is the recipe because some of them right. are just delicious. Well, in
2: Sydney's, don't... like some of Sydney's favorites are in there, and they're, del- I haven't, I have to admit, I haven't done them all yet, but yeah. they're delicious.
1: Yeah. Like the cashew cream sauce, it is a delicious. It's not just here, let me give you an Alfredo recipe. And for the vegans, here's your version. Like, that is the version. So to center, some alternative approaches, but then also just give a few more options because I'm getting that question a lot. Like in a lot of interviews, they're like, what about, you know, if we're gluten-free or what, I mean, a lot of people are, what if we're vegetarian? And so I, I kind of wish I would have baked in a few more sidebars, like here's what to do if you don't do this.
3: Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today.
2: So that's another question I have as where I'm probably,
3: you've got to
2: go out there and see New York with Tyler for sure. So what's next up for you? Right. Well, relaxation first. Yeah. Enjoy your vacation first. Mm -hmm. I almost hate to ask you that question because you're not even like, you haven't even like come, we're still on a high from the cookbook, which we need to enjoy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. And I'm not even done with the cook. We're still like, like yesterday I was in Birmingham and I was having like meetings and introductions with all the team at Southern Living and real simple and a food and wine magazine. And like, we're still going like it's, We're still we're still doing then Just enjoy
2: this ride.
1: Yeah, I think I am. Like it's not like me to not already have my foot in the next category. That's normally what I'm doing, especially as a rider that has such a long lead. But I think I'm gonna just sit in the pocket of this a little bit. And and from a higher level, I've got one more trade book, which is just a regular book, one more book on my contract. With Thomas Nelson, who's been my publisher for the last my last four like regular books, so I've got one more book to write that I'm contracted for. So I'm noodling that one. It was it was technically due last May, not this May, but last. But you know, I was coming off of just no way, just just absolutely. Well, and like you said, the
2: cookbook was actually what you needed it to be. It needed to not be that mental dive. So so did they not publish? I uh, forgive me for my naivete, but did they not publish the cookbook?
1: Right, Cookbook was with a different publisher. And so, you know, we went with a publisher for whom this is one of their specialties. And Thomas Nelson is an imprint of HarperCollins, as is the publisher that I'm with right now. But their genre is different. And so Cookbook is so it's such a specific genre. It's such it a makes specific sense, project. Actually. So this is with another one. And so, you know, I wasn't ready to write a book in my normal category when that book came due, I was just at the, I was still sunk. You know, I just, I couldn't have strung four sentences together that were meaningful, but it's going to be interesting now. Like I'm, you know, on the other side of this just complete sea change in my life, I'm like, hmm, I've learned a lot. I have something new to say, you know, I have something new that I've experienced and learned and, I'm not quite ready to write it, but I can see its edges starting to take a little shape.
2: Does a lot of your writing take place? Like, do you do? You said you were noodling it. Do you do a lot more ruminating about it prior to sitting down to write it? Because some writers take their notes, and some writers, it's kind of more in their head, and then they they hit the computer after they've had time to think about it for a while. I
1: spend a lot of time with my material inside my brain, and I. I will build in, I know this is a very strange creative process, but I will, when I'm in this process of, when I'm in a stage of simply thinking from a very high level, what direction is this going to go? I build in like into my schedule, time to do things where I know my brain works, like drive. I'll write it. I'm going to drive for an hour and something about being in the car driving unlocks my brain to think. And so, I'm coming up on that stage. I'm not quite to it, but I can feel, I can feel some of it coming together internally. And so, I think that'll probably ultimately be my next project. I'm not sure when, but that'll be something I I start to put pen to paper to in the next calendar year.
2: Well, we're always excited to hear anything that you're reading, and certainly any other like second cookbook. Uh-huh. I know it's so fun. I just it's think just I'm do
1: that. Yeah, it's nice. You know, I've spent a lot of my career, well, most of it, all of it. What am I saying? Talking about and writing about and leading through, you know, just issues of importance, like whether it is issues of justice or empowerment or parenting, or they're just things that have like substance to them, and some of them are hard, like racism and like evolving our faith systems and you know big 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 ideas that are big they're better to me of course but they're heavy lift to lead through and that's what I you know that's what I'm always doing is leading and so this cookbook which was 100% just joy you know that's what it was I wasn't trying to fix a you know, systemic issue. I was just, it's just cooking, it's just food. It was really fun. And it was a really nice respite from some of the work that I do that just is, it's waiting. And it's it's hard sometimes, it's hard. And I, that's not a complaint. I love my work and I love, the, those are things I will care about for the re, every day for the rest of my life. And we'll continue to lead inside. But just having a project that was just purely delightful just as its creator. I mean, I just feel like I got to live on a little Island of like joy Your heart needed it. Yes. It was so fun. Like, it was so fun to even just talk about like in interviews, like this is going to be, I'm not trying, I don't have to, I don't have to push a boulder up a hill here. Like let's just talk about taco cups. Like I-, I enjoyed it. It was a nice break. In, well, the, and it's in bringing the people together.
2: Life. I really like what you had. I had heard. I don't remember. I probably, several places, but I had heard you say that your publisher, you had said, I'm not sure I can do this because of that time that was happening in your life. And your publisher said, well, are you still feeding people? Yeah. Anyway, and so, and you bring us, and that's what your cookbook is doing. That's what feed these people is doing. It's bringing us all together. Your book club community is cooking. Your online community is cooking. We're cooking with our families. We're surprising our families. It's pretty incredible what you've done with Feed These People. And we're very, very grateful for it. It's so great. I love it so much.
1: It's a joy to experience together. Like for me, I'm I'm just telling you that I'm over here going, it's just so fun for me to watch. And I will forever be so grateful for this little window in my life, this little Feed These People cookbook window and my community who just Came on board like champions. Like sure, cookbook. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> the best, like the absolute best.
2: Well, before we wrap things up, in your, you know, you can't get away with it. Your team. When we start talking about questions, I was like, we can't get away without asking Jen her own question. Like, we have to ask her what's saving her life right now. Yeah, I know you have
1: to. There's no way around it. Like. No. Uh Uh-huh. It has to be asked.
2: I am of of two minds. Well, like you said, it's yours to roll with. That's what you tell all of your guests. You're a guest on your own show. So let me repeat back to you what you say. It can be silly. It can be serious. It could be multiple things. It's whatever you...
1: You are correct. Two things feel really energizing to me, if that's the right word, like, or just... Just giving me a little bit of life, literally, to take the question on its face. I don't want this first one to sound mean. I don't know how it's going to sound.
2: Well, considering that you're not mean-spirited and grace is the thing that we learn from you. It's
1: true. (laughs) Not mean-spirited. I'm two months into not having any kids at home. You know, obviously with Remy in Spain, she would normally be home still, but she's in Spain. And everybody else has moved out. And so (laughs) it feels so great to have a breath I've been parenting for so long, and I've been parenting the last two and a half years by my entire self, and 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 hard parenting, like the hardest. I mean, managing so much of our trauma and my kids' trauma, and having no partner in it at all, and just it just wore me out. I mean, it really just wore me out. And so, all of a sudden, just having Tyler Merritt yesterday saying to me, "What if we got on the plane in two hours?" I went to New York this weekend and i went. yeah, I can do that. Like I can do that. It never in my whole life have I been able to do anything like that. And I can do that. It feels good. I feel like par- I worked really hard at parenting so hard for so long. And this sense of, well, it's freedom and there's no other way to say it. It feels great. And parenting is beautiful. I chose it. I wanted it. i grew it by adoption so i could do more of it so it's it's not that it's just it's heavy it's a super heavy mantle and so much work in a big family so it feels amazing to have a lot of my time just mine like what do i want to do what do i want to do with it and then i can't help it like i know this is i know i know i can't help it it's just but also tyler you know just it's such a joy to be in a relationship with him and it's such a surprise
2: it's so wonderful to watch you two together and it, your his instagram live where his mom got on to i mean just watching you two interact in fact i went to the austin part of your tour but when you came out with the version that we can purchase the video with you with one of the sessions with you and tyler i'm like i've got to see it cuz it's just and to see so much joy on your face jen like we all love you And we could all see the pain in your eyes, and you were always authentic. You always have been. But to see that joy and that light back in you, and to see the way you guys interact with each other and the way you love each other, it's pretty spectacular. It's thank you, Denise. That is
1: such a nice thing to say. Thank you for that. And it is still special to me too. And just, and I'd love to share too in my community. Like, look, what's what's possible. Who knew you guys, you know, we just went through so much hard stuff together as a community. So we might as well go through the good stuff too. Right?
2: I quote clo- I Only quote your fair. counselor's life raft thing from swimming that post from all those years ago now that look up and just see who's on your life raft. Don't think about uh, who's on the shore. And I quote it to myself and friends uh, all the fun. time, but then to know, and just to get to see it, like I said, it's just such a wonderful joy to see Thank you, you so happy that's so sweet
1: thank you for interviewing me on my show you are very good at this <laughs> fantastic job it's not always easy to be an interviewer is it like, no it is not it takes us <laughs> it's a skill set that is not necessarily simple so you did beautifully thank you thank, thank, you. thank you for this, this was this so much hour. fun
2: this was such an honor to be able to do this with you absolutely so. perfect see you monday see Thanks. you monday